Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here with the Startup to Scale podcast and very excited for today's episode with Amy Zeidelman, who is the CEO and co-founder of Zoom Foods. Welcome, Amy. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So I'd love for you just to give a quick 20-second elevator pitch for what Zoom is. Yeah, sure. Um, Zoom is a company started by my sisters and me, and we sell high-quality tahini and tahini products to the American market. I actually to make tahini a more popular and appreciated ingredient uh, in North America. So I know a lot of people know tahini from its use in, in hummus, uh, but what else are people using your tahini for? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, people are using our tahini for everything from milkshakes to a, a substitute for cream in salad dressings and soups. You can bake with tahini, you can make salad dressings, sauces, and marinades with tahini. The joke is that you could really put it, that shit on anything, you know, like a nod to Frank's. Um, And so it's an extremely inspiringly versatile ingredient. I love that. So how many years have you been in business now? We've been in business for 10 years. We incorporated in 2011 when we started doing our market research um, for the sake of, or maybe we technically, incorpor- I think it was November 2011, for the sake of some very basic company expenses that we were about to you know, take on in the market research stage. Most notably was a trip to Ethiopia in April of 2012. And so we incorporated then, but between the idea of Zoom in 2011 to actually launching into the market, which was May of 2013, we spent about 18 months in that market research and you know preliminary stage. 10 years is a short time and a very, very long time. Know, um, yeah. What has that journey been like for you? Did you see yourself doing this as like a 10 year plus journey or did you think it would be kind of a quicker journey? Like, what did you think? I had no expectations, to be totally honest. I started Zoom. The idea came about when I was a senior at University of Delaware, and I wasn't studying business. Uh, We come from a family of entrepreneurs, so I guess entrepreneurship runs in our blood. But my first things that I did for Zoom really felt like a college project. You know, I had to do the market research. I had to write down all the tahinis that were available and how much they cost and a note about their branding and where they were, you know, where they were in the grocery store. Um, Or I made a list of all the restaurants and falafel places and ice cream shops in, you know, the Philadelphia area, really mid-Atlantic probably. So it felt like a college project. And I really we called ourselves young and dumb. And I think that's true. I just didn't realize we were starting a business or what that meant. You know, it was actually probably a year and a half or so into Zoom that I looked back and realized, oh my gosh, you know, there's a business here. People rely on us and our product. And now like, where's it going to go? So I, I can't say that I had any expectations when we got started. Did you start it as kind of a class project or like an activity to do with your sisters or kind of what was, what was the reason? I know, like, I'm sure you want to bring a like, better team to the world, but like, what, what beyond that? 
Yeah, it's a great question. My oldest sister, Shelby, studied entrepreneurial management. And like I said, both of our parents are entrepreneurs. And it came about through, like a lot of businesses likely do, a series of, of questions. Um, Jackie was living in Israel at the time. She still lives in Israel and was dating her now husband, Omri. And Omri had been in the tahini industry for about a decade at this time. And um, as Shelby started learning about tahini in Israel and the high quality tahini that Omri was working with, she started asking questions like, what tahini is available in the States and why don't Americans use tahini the same way they do here in Israel? And that's what really led to this opening for, I guess, a business idea. And it was through the market research that we realized a few things. One was that you could only find tahini on the bottom shelf of the international aisle. And most people had no idea what it was. If they did know what it was, they only used it to make hummus. And that was really, you know, cross your eyes, cross your T's and dot your eyes. And so for most people, you'd probably say there's no opportunity here. But for entrepreneurs, as you well know, and listeners probably know, you say, oh, how can I fill in this white space? No, I absolutely love that. So the business kind of got going. You took a trip to Ethiopia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, so tell me about that trip. What was it like? The sesame seeds are from Ethiopia and our tahini is made in Israel, just for clarity on the supply chain. That was a great trip. I mean, we went to Addis Ababa and we went north to Bahir Dar and Gondar, which is on the way towards Humera, which is where the sesame seeds grow. We didn't make it all the way to Humera on that trip. And it was amazing. I mean, it was our all of our first times in Ethiopia. It really opened up more realities to what an international supply chain could mean and put obviously faces to these ideas of, oh, the sesame seeds come from there. And we really wanted to make sure that we were accountable and prepared and understood the implications of a business like what we were setting out to do. Um, it was a great trip. It was an amazing bonding experience for us. You know, I'm four years younger than Shelby, the oldest sister, I'm the youngest. And I was just graduating from college. So we were in our you know, young adulthood stage. We had this idea for a business. There was a lot of good energy between us. And uh, Jackie's boyfriend, now husband, Omri came. Shelby's boyfriend, now husband, Dan came. And it was a great trip. I mean, it really was special. And we hold a lot of dear memories from it. What is it like running a business with, um, with your sisters and with family, especially you being the youngest and the CEO? Right. Yeah. Funny how that happens. Um, it's a great question. Jackie now is part-time with the business. She manages our procurement and relationships with our co-packers. Um, she and Omri are more involved in the commodity exchange out of Ethiopia. So uh, really our link towards the that international supply chain. And Shelby, just at the end of last year, phased out of full-time at Zoom. And working with together has been amazing over the years. You know, we are... We may look alike. People think we're triplets, but we have very different skills and interests and personalities. And that was the greatest gift was we we really didn't step on each other's toes. You know, Jackie knew Israel and the Ethiopia best. And I used my communication degree to focus on growing the business and growing sales and laying a foundation for so-called marketing, which I have zero experience with, and Shelby new business and the finance part of it. And so we were able to capitalize on our skills collaboratively, which made it a lot easier. 
That sounds really good. I know um, when I was building my company, T-Squares, um, we were actually renting space from my mom who had the commercial kitchen. They were manufacturing out of there. And, you know, eventually at a certain point, like she was doing things on her own or with my brother and we had six employees out of there. So we were like, had more people than her and taking up more, more room. <laughs> so always had to navigate that uh, tension of like family and business and working together, which is good, but it's always a interesting dynamic, especially for in our situation, we had like employees who would, you know, not get in the middle of it, but we're kind of could see things going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Or maybe uh, dropping bits of information back and forth between the parties. You never know. But uh, our, like I said, our, both of our parents were entrepreneurs. So business was home a lot for us growing up. And so we were and in a in a healthy way. And so, you know, we went into this with very clear boundaries that if our sister relationship was being compromised, Zoom would go, you know, um, the ability to say to anybody, including our parents, we don't want to talk about Zoom right now at Shabbat dinner, you know, like, please stop asking us questions. And so that was really important in maintaining all of our sanity, I think, through such close quarters. Let's talk about Zoom's growth over the last um couple of years. So I know a big part of your product was, uh, you know, used as an ingredient and other things and food service became a big part of, um, of your, of your sales. Can you talk about kind of the growth within food service and what's that been like? Yeah, totally. Food service is still about 50% of our revenue. Um, and that channel constitutes selling to restaurants across the country, smaller but decent sized fast casual chains and most recently meal kits which has been a great channel for us so that's the whole picture of what we consider food service um, it's not universities or food service management at this point um, and that unfolded in a couple ways that provided a ton of value to both the revenue side of zoom and the brand credibility side of zoom which as people listening and you know are so important for sustaining an early stage business, um, which is that we were able to connect during that market research with an amazing chef uh, here named Mike Salamanov. He's the owner and chef of Zahab restaurant. And we asked him the same question we were asking grocery buyers or consumers we were talking to, which is what tahini are you using? And his answer, not like theirs, where they said nobody cares about tahini, his was I don't even know the name of it and it's not good. And we said, well, we wanna bring good tahini. And he's like, great, I want good tahini. And it was a very organic and um, amazingly productive relationship and is still to this day. And that provided a ton of credibility to our brand as he was growing in influential nature. He was organically talking about Zoom. He released a cookbook in 2015. That was really that first trigger point where I looked back and realized, oh, we have a business here. Like people are going to hold us accountable to where Zoom goes next. And it also provided so much value because restaurants buy more tahini and they buy it more often. And that volume game is so important for the foundation of a food business, especially as it relates to the realities of trade spend in consumer spaces versus a lack of trade spend in the food service space or in this kind of like more wholesale business. And so with the credibility of Mike and some of the other restaurants we were working with, I focused very diligently for almost five years on growing our food service distribution nationally, you know, touchdown in the city, 
talk to the major restaurant players, see if they were using tahini or get them to use tahini and so on and so on, which then informed distribution, which in then really blossomed the entire channel for us. I love that because you're very much aware building a food business is very expensive and requires a minimum volume to even, you know, cover your overhead and everything that you do. And I love that you use food service both as an opportunity to build the volume, but also to partner with these really great um, restaurants and chefs around the entire country. Yeah, and that happened really organically. I mean, it was a hypothesis of ours, not, ha not having come from the restaurant industry. And it was also at the very beginning stages of this chef culture and foodie culture that has emerged over the past 10 years, where chefs are celebrities and their word is super valuable and it informs media as well, that those things, you know, happening in tandem was super valuable for the sustainability of Zoom. But to speak to the cost of it, you know, our dad always says, whether you're building a house or building a business, it's always going to take longer and cost more. So we know that that's the case. Definitely true. Um, so after the kind of run in food service, I know you're selling in, in retail as well and direct to consumer. Um, I know, I think in the last year, you went through a brand redesign. Can you talk through what led you to that decision and what the process was like? Yeah, it had always been, it was our original goal when we started Zoom, not truly understanding the opportunity in restaurants and wholesale to get Zoom onto every grocery store shelf and to every home across the country. What we didn't realize, it, realize not having had the experience was the cost associated with that. So within that first year, realizing that cost, having the success in food service, we put we really pushed pause on those consumer channels like D2C. We did have our product always available on Amazon and we were sold in local market markets and then organically grew to regionally, for instance, with Whole Foods, but a very localized, you know, uh, organic strategy in those consumer channels. But when COVID hit, it accelerated that consumer opportunity that we always had in us because the restaurant industry shut down and home consumption increased. And we were just really lucky that tahini was one of those products that fit in this very niche space, I think, of early COVID where people were looking for comforting ingredients and familiar ingredients, but also growing their repertoire of what they were willing to cook and try. And so tahini just sat in this space where people that were already using it started using more of it and people that had never used it, but had seen a recipe for hummus or all of these recipes for tahini that had come out for the five years prior that soon worked really hard to facilitate, you know, that conversation, it just clicked. So our online sales blew up, our grocery store shell, you know, sales blew up. And it really accelerated that shift to these consumer channels. But we knew that we couldn't really do consumer right if we didn't rebrand because the brand stayed in this place that was good enough for food service, which has a very low standard and good enough to do enough on Amazon and in the few grocery stores where we were more credible and the velocity was moving because of our brand credibility, but it was not in a place to go national, for instance, right? That somebody might come across Sum Tahini on a grocery store shelf and say, what's that? You know, everybody would have passed over our old labels. So we use that time. Um, we started 
the rebrand got, I don't know how long it took, but it took a long time. And we launched it in September of last year. So September of 2021 um, and been really working on it 2022 for the first full year. And we're really proud of it. Dana Mensar, VP of marketing did a great job. She worked with Pulp and Wire, a nice graphic design agency out of Maine. And um, it's, it is, I, I always said this at the beginning, I still do, it's really cool to see your product and say, oh, that's pretty, you know? That's yeah. pretty. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's what we kind of wanted it to yeah, be. <laughs> that's what we envisioned, but didn't budget for and didn't have to spend on with the food service the way that it was. So everything happens in the right time, you know, for a business, I think. I love that. And now, you know, it's interesting. I talked to founders who invested heavily in direct-to-consumer during their pandemic, but with the changing just like world events and everything going on, um, it's changing everyone's kind of channel mix some. Have you seen a change in terms of um, your your mix between food service, retail, and direct-to-consumer? Yeah, our, it's gone back to pre-COVID levels. So our food service is doing great. Those legacy restaurants that we were working with have grown substantially, you know, over the last couple of years and are using more tahini distributors. New restaurants are opening up again and using tahini on menus, which is awesome to see. Um, our D2C channel, as others might be experiencing, is challenging. You know, I think we always had that expectation of it being challenging and expensive, especially because we launched on Amazon so early on, you know, it was so much less expensive to acquire a customer on Amazon than to our website five years ago. And the same is still true today. And so it was never a huge part of our strategy and D2C only became a bigger part of our strategy during the height of COVID. And so it's been easy for us to kind of release that, release our expectation, release some of our spend in that channel particularly. And Amazon has stayed consistent. So Amazon has been a very important strategic channel for Zoom um, for many reasons over the years. What's your approach to growth now that we're coming coming out of this? Are and I guess like, where are you investing? Are you at a point where you're continuing to invest in the business and, and grow quickly? Are you seeing a more sustainable growth curve uh, or incremental? Like what's your approach? Yeah, we're back in a growth stage and investing into the business in particular as it relates to the brick and mortar channel. You know, we want to be able to capitalize on Zoom's acquisition over COVID um, into household, household penetration over COVID and bring that to the grocery stores. So we launched nationally with Whole Foods in May, for instance. And as you well know, the cost of playing nationally is much higher than on a regional basis. And so we have been fundraising this year and are investing into that growth to really fire in all channels, food service, brick and mortar retail, and Amazon, direct-to-consumer, the e-commerce space all at once now. Um, and so we're really excited because of the foundation that we have from our food service to the growth that we were able to capture during COVID. And now we're really excited to continue that growth over the next few years with this round of capital. That's really exciting and happy that you were able to raise capital to continue growing. I know it's a very challenging time for a lot of founders right now. Yeah, I won't say it was a walk in the park. Um, and uh, uh, 
it's not the, as other people might relate to the most fun way to spend your days, but you know what? I love representing Zoom. I love being able to talk to Zoom about, about Zoom to new people. And so if you kind of approach fundraising that way, that this is someone that didn't know Zoom before and knows it now, whether they invest in Zoom or possibly purchase it the next time at Whole Foods or buy it on Amazon or share our samples that we sent with a friend. It is just a, you know, networking opportunity and brand growth opportunity. So it comes with its good and bad. What advice would you have for founders who are fundraising right now? Oh, I don't think I have any good advice. I would be there. <laughs> Call me or email me if anybody has some nuggets. Um, it's nice to not, and I'm not in that position. It's nice to not have to need other people's money. So I guess that yeah. would be, uh, as I've seen you posting about a, a lot, like I'm very driven at that after this raise, we are driving towards profitability because I'm not interested in raising again, unless it's for a very strategic growth direction that could see us to an even better stage. I love that. On the product side, um, I know you had the original tahini. You also launched chocolate tahini flavors and also some new date syrups. I'd love for you to share your strategy on product innovation. Yes. And I have to say that product innovation is one of my biggest weaknesses. I mean, ultimately, I really just sell tahini, you know, and I did and I have for 10 years and the chocolate and sweet spreads constitute a small amount of our revenue. Our Ceylon constitutes a small amount, but there was strategy, of course, behind them. The chocolate originally was to position a partner product for tahini in the nut butter category. We worked really hard to get tahini out of the international aisle and into that nut butter category. And we recognized that having a second facing, ultimately a second skew would be very beneficial for the brand. Or we got that advice from a lot of people. And we chose chocolate because it fulfilled two things. One, selfishly, we just wanted a better for you chocolate spread, you know, um, being young women, uh, also growing into like young mothers, you know, we love having our chocolate spread. I love that my son loves chocolate Zoom. Um, it has less than half the amount of sugar as Nutella. It's just tahini, powdered sugar, cocoa powder, really delicious too. And it fulfills one of the aspects of our consumer education, which was teaching people that they could use tahini for more than just hummus and in particular in baking or sweet dishes. And so we thought that that would be a good way to position tahini as a secondary skew and also contribute to our overarching goal and need of consumer education. The date syrup was actually informed through our food service channel. We worked with a lot of chefs that asked us, we love your tahini, what else can you bring? And Ceylon is, A, the dates in Israel are second to none in the world. They're just perfection. And B, the date syrup coming out of Israel is really delicious. It's unique in flavor, different than the date syrup coming out of California and things like that. And so Ceylon is a complementary ingredient to tahini, kind of like peanut butter and jelly here is like Ceylon and tahini. And so that was what informed that product expansion. Um, but we have new products on the horizon. Thankfully, with my team, our product development pipeline has a better process and is in motion. So we're excited to introduce tahini in new products throughout 
new categories in the grocery store and online and such um, over the next year or two. Amy, that's really exciting and sounds like you have a lot going on over the next year. I wish you the best of luck and can't wait to check in on your journey to see how things go. Thanks, Jordan. And like I said before, thanks for everything you do for the industry and us silly, dumb, young founders. You know, it takes a village. I'm right there with you. <laughs> thanks so much, Amy. Thanks.